Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. We want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Electrical Supply Guy Studios. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear all of podcast platforms, as well as Buzz 2 on 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast, as well as the TuneIn Radio app. You can look look up the Believe Radio Podcast Network and I am your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture, Arkansas. Alongside me, as always, is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight. And all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas. And Bet Online, where you can find the fastest and easiest ways to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head on over to Bet Online. Or use your mobile device today to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Arkansas gets back on track with a 41-27 win over Auburn. And uh, between us and the guys at Arkansas fight across the board, we had this as a win. I had it a little bit closer some others just because of you had to take into fact that this they haven't won this game since 2015, haven't won in Jordan-Hare since 2012. So, I mean, that's always in the back of your mind when it comes to this game. But pretty much once Arkansas got started, um, it, it just didn't seem like Auburn had it. They shown flashes of, of competitiveness. But when it come down to it, other than uh, Tank Bigsby's one big touchdown run, Auburn really didn't show anything when it come to threatening in the game. I think Jacob's lagging a little bit on there, but uh, Jacob, you there? Cannot hear you, Jacob. Anyways, while we get uh, Jacob getting his uh, technical support going, uh, we uh, some interesting game notes from from the game uh, and, and those um, browse apologetics or whatever you want to say. The ones that uh, you know just really have called for you know him and, and just not his play calling, but this is the. Um, Ninth consecutive game with 100 yards rushing. Arkansas has recorded over 200 yards on the ground in seven of the eight games. They've totaled over 400 yards total offense in seven out of the eight games. 
Jaden Hasselwood tallied his 20th consecutive game with at least one reception dating back to 2021. And then K.J. Jefferson recorded his fourth game of the season with over 200 yards passing, including his second consecutive game with a 200-yard mark. Uh, Rakeem Sanders rushed for over 100 yards in six games this season, and he is now the quickest person who he broke Madre Hill's record of getting to the 1,000-yard mark in eight games. So um, quite a, a, a feat for Rocket Sanders this year, quite a, a feat for the, for the offense this, this season, how much they evolved and when, when you thought that things weren't really clicking when it come to the bye week. They really needed this bye week. And uh, Jacob, I don't know if you can hear yet or not. Um, can, can you speak? Let me see if we can hear you. No, we can't hear you yet. Uh, something's going on with the mic again. But um, can you can yep, you hear me? There now? we go. There's Jacob. Okay, man, li- okay, live sweet. game situations, my yeah, guy. <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you're alive sometimes, and you don't ever know what to expect. Well, I was just—I uh, knew you could hear some of it, but we were just going over <laughs> some of the game notes and just. Yeah. For, for those people who was talking about Bryles and you know really ragging on him and and. When, when you look at that game, the game notes, and I know Auburn was down, but, I mean, it's still pretty impressive when you look at Rocket Sanders' is rushing eight games, which is a new record, quickest to get there. Uh, K.J. Jefferson has really, you know, came in as a passer when that was really his weakest mark and just the balance of the offense. So, I guess go back to you and, and what, what was your overall take of the game? Yeah, did you see those couple of throws from K.J.? Especially on that slant touchdown pass to Hazelwood. There was a big third down throw that he got to Landers on the sideline that was just placed perfectly. The guy's got some he's got some confidence going right now. And I really think that right now Arkansas's offense is humming. Tom Murphy of uh the Arkansas Democrat Gazette up there in Northwest Arkansas, he said a quick morning stat, this is from this morning before his flight back home. Arkansas is averaging 246.8 yards passing, 245.8 yards rushing, and 492.5 total yards per game to rank 13 amongst all FBS teams. Did you say 13th in the country? Yes, 13th in the country. I wonder where where those PFF guys are. You know, the ones that just said that Browse was just so horrible on these third downs and these fourth downs. And we we knew – Need new offensive coordinators. Um, yeah. It's crazy what happens so, when a team clicks and they start rolling. You know what I'm, I mean? That's yeah. the thing. It, it, execution. Yeah. It, how long, How many weeks have we been preaching that? I yes, mean, we've been preaching that execution. It's crazy how good. And this is nothing taking away from the offense or putting more emphasis on the coordinator. But it, it's, it's crazy what happens when you execute. You make everybody yes. look better. So, I mean, when you're going seven out of the eight games, when you're doing all this offensive production, and you rank 13th in the country in total yard. did you say total yards per game? Yes, yes. Total yards hmm. per game is like 492, uh, 492.5, 13th among all FBS teams. Pretty interesting when that all comes about. And, and the scoring clip is continuing to rise, too. A lot of, you know, you look back at the sluggish offensive performance against Texas A&M, 
Uh, you think about the 26 points you scored against Alabama, and then with your backup quarterback in there against Mississippi State, you only scored 17. Outside of those three performances, the offense has been clicking for the most part and producing numbers. And now, after the BYU game, BYU was ranked eighth in the country at one point this season. They were no slouch, even though they are they are uh, kind of licking their wounds or uh, mending their wounds right now. And then you think about the Liberty game coming up. You've got Auburn, and, and we know all about the situation going down there on the Plains. But the Arkansas defense, the first string, held a, held Auburn to 13 points, which is pretty solid. I mean, the backups allowed a couple of touchdowns late in the uh, in the fourth quarter. But man, I I'm actually I was pretty pleased by how well the Arkansas defense played uh, on Saturday against Auburn. Well, it just shows you what crazy of a year this college football. You you got Alabama fans crying about the refs after a game, after a loss. Yeah. Ole Miss and, and Lane, as much as we love him, is complaining about the, the, the players just falling on the ground. I mean, it, it, if that doesn't show you how crazy and ironic and hypocritical of a college football year when you've got fans complaining about refs when they've gotten the most – obvious calls all year you know for years in the past and then you got somebody like Ole Miss who they blatantly tell guys to fall down then it happens to them and they're, they're complaining about it after the game so nothing can really surprise me anymore on other I mean I mean we're looking at what what was that 2007 all over again I mean look, look at TCU yeah sitting there undefeated we're just waiting on them to lose to put the icing on the cake right absolutely and, and you've got Georgia and Tennessee coming up. Oh, that's that going to be epic. Potentially be, it's going to be the number one versus number two team in the country. That's going to be Because Ohio epic. State and Tennessee tied. Yep. Can you just imagine the the world of college football if Tennessee goes out there and breaks Georgia at home? Like, that's going to be a pretty crazy matchup. And you've got Arkansas. Their next three games could potentially be against ranked teams. I mean, well, everybody's ranked. You talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they're ranked number 23. Yes. You think about a couple of weeks ago, you said, yeah, the path to nine to 10 wins is still there. And and we were probably laughing about it a little bit, thinking, eh, maybe it's not. Yeah. Riles, Odom, and then Pittman, they have their guys going, I mean, full speed ahead right now, looking really good. And Arkansas's defense is healthy, uh, more healthy than they have been since the Cincinnati game. Well, and last week we were talking about how good that South Carolina win was. Now they reared their head, and I'm I loved every minute of it. You know, I, I know that you don't want Missouri having any steam coming to the Arkansas game, but for every rule, there's an exception. And I loved every minute of South Carolina packing the house. And I'm going to say I played a part of it. I thought they were going to be good. I want them to be good for the sake of the rivalry, but I'm telling you to let. Missouri just manhandle you the way they did at home. And, and this is the thing. Let's let's think about this, Razorback fans, just for a second. And I know you don't follow South Carolina or anything and see, but just imagine eight games into the season coming off of a bye. Arkansas has been there before. Well, we didn't really know what they were throwing at us, and we just couldn't find a way to get our offense going. I mean, you just got done beating Kentucky, and now you're struggling for a way to beat Missouri, and and then that's what Spencer Rattler said after the game. And, again, we're talking about it. 
Last week, everybody's wanting to save their offensive coordinator's job. Oh my gosh, two game winning streak, man! They're on a roll, man. They could go, they could go get a good New Year's Day bowl game. They turn around, and lose to Missouri. And now the pitchforks are out all over again. And and I bring that up to say this is that's how quick things can turn around. That's how quickly things can turn around here at Arkansas. We've seen it for the past ten years. So I don't feel sorry for them though. But I mean, yeah. it, it couldn't happen to a worse team. And you're seeing it with the Kentucky fans, too, because they were ready to put a statue up of Stoops. Oh, yeah. Now they're a basketball school all of a sudden. And now they're ready to get rid of him because he's lost two straight. They're on to basketball season. Uh, I mean, that happens every November. I mean, other than when they had Benny Snell, you know, that running back, and they did really, really well. They haven't really, when it come down to it, they haven't produced when it come down to it. I mean, you're getting eight, nine beat wins. The teams that they need to beat exactly. to get to the next level. And Arkansas, you know, that's the thing. That's what Arkansas is lacking. We've beat the teams like last year. You beat the Mississippi States. You finally got that monkey off your back with LSU. And then you turn around like this year, you drop it to Texas a Man, what would we do to give that game back? I mean, what would – I mean, seeing the dumpster fire. I mean, I, I tweeted out to Peter Burns this morning, ESPN. I mean – Texas A&M is a doinked field goal away from being 0-5 in the SEC. This is like, man, yeah. you're paying millions of dollars to. Number one recruiting class ever. You've got the Gigam boys out there every Friday night or whatever doing their little yell. I think I'd give it up if I was 1-4 and four in the SEC. I, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. And I know you were talking about how uh, I just came across the tweet. Rocket Sanders, man. How incredible has he been? I I don't think he gets enough credit. I know nationally around the SEC because he's consistently led the SEC in rushing all year, and he's done it against every single team that he's played this year outside of, I think he had an 80-yard game against Mississippi State, which that was just a funk of a week. He's been over 100 yards each single week, and the guy has uh, – See here. I just had it up. He has 156 carries, 6.7 yards per carry, eight total touchdowns and 1,041 yards. And we were talking about it. Darren McFadden didn't even get to a thousand yards that fast. Now I'm not gonna now I'm not gonna say that you know Rockets in the same breath as uh, the old goat number five. But man, to do some things that McFadden didn't do is awful special. Five ten years ago. 16 carries and 174 would have got you National Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and this is just, I mean, this ain't to upset or ruffle any feathers, but we're in the day and age where it's wide receiver and yeah. a quarterback age. It's yeah, just where we right. are. And, and they don't pay attention to the running backs when it comes to national recognition. Now, if Rocket Sanders doesn't get first-team All-SEC running back, then let, let's slot the pitchforks. But when it comes yeah. to him going to New York, it's not going to happen because Arkansas is not oh, no. that good of a team. I mean, it yeah. took everything they could to get Darren McFadden there two years in a row, and there's still debates on whether what year he got robbed. You know, so when it comes to Rocket Sanders and, and the job he's doing this year, um, it, it's just – it's very impressive, but it gets lost in the limelight. You like yep. you brought up Will Levis and how they're still trying to kind of, in a way, push him. 
I mean, they're tr- still trying to push these quarterbacks, and they're still trying and, – and I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why they keep on pushing all these quarterbacks that they're going to be projective first-rounders. They're going to – I don't know if there's is there that much money wrapped up into these guys that they they're marketing them and they have to push them right. no matter what because I mean that, I, that's the only thing I can think of because I'm going to bring my team up to it for a second because last year DJ they had him line up to do the Dr Pepper had him line up had the big you know all this stuff going on he was going to be the face of the program and after, as soon as the Georgia game was over with you didn't see him no more. Right. You know, so it, it's just that's the nature of the beast. And they have their mindset that this guy's going to be an all-world. And he might turn out to be a, a good NFL quarterback. But just what he's doing this year, what he's doing, I mean, you can't yeah. sit there and say you have what, he had 80 yards passing and three, yeah, yeah. three, interceptions. three interceptions. On 16 to 23 or yeah. 24 passing. Like it was an incredible, like a efficient number of completions. But. Man, like the yardage there, I mean, you're playing the 103rd worst pass defense in the country, and you can't get 86 yards on them? That is suspect. And and K.J. Jefferson, no, he's not a great passer, but he's a complete player. Like, if he's not going to get it in the only uh, through the air, he's going to get it on the ground. But I want to commend him on the job that he has done trusting his receivers. He, I mean, like that touchdown pass to Jaden Hazelwood on a slant. Those are passes he was not completing last year unless he was throwing to Traylon Burks. I mean, and Traylon was catching everything. I mean, he would catch if it was 10 feet in the air. Like I I made a a comment about it yesterday because Tron Jackson was on the sideline. I said, man, Traylon would have caught that. (laughs) Yeah, Traylon would have caught it in uh, triple coverage, you know. But the the rate that he's trusting his receivers and the development that he has had – with Kendall Bross. And that's, that's the impressive thing. Uh, most of all to me is the leaps and bounds that he has jumped through uh, to be an improved quarterback. I mean, he's, he is scanning all over the field. Like he's getting to his first, second, third, fourth, maybe even sometimes fifth reads on some plays uh, that that's a testament to Kendall Bross uh, developing him. Don't well, just forget about the PFFs. Well, and he, you can, he, you can watch him and tell that he's improved. Well, he's he's trusted himself. I, I think that's yeah. where that confidence comes in. He he's he's confident as a passer and he's confident in a run because you look, he's looked it and he's not just you know, his biggest knock early in the year was he's too predictable. He's too predictable. Right. Well, you know, when you only you don't know who you got to count on when you're throwing to, you've got one receiver you're gonna run. I mean, yeah. Matt Landers stepped up, had five receptions for five. He was targeted five times, four receptions for 115 yards. So, I mean, when you got that guy, that's his second yard, or second time he's surpassed 100 yards receiving this year. Yeah. When you had that and you look, I cannot remember which play it was specifically, but he looked, looked, checked all of it, and then went and ran. Um, and I don't 20 know. 20 yards. Yeah, 20 yards. And so – when you have that type of, you know, that capability where you can do both, now, instead of this guy's a run-first person, you've got to respect both of them equally with him. I mean, yeah. it, you just got to do enough to get the job done. You don't have to rush for 100 yards and throw for 350 a game. You don't have to do that. But the fact that he threw for 234, one touchdown, he was sacked three times, but 
you know, you're 16 or 24. That is leaps and bounds from what I seen earlier in the year when he was just missing these easy throws. Absolutely. And another thing we were, I told you I was going to bring up before the show was the, was how Kendall Browse's offense has developed. I mean, you had nobody at quarterback uh, when he came in. You had Malik Hornsby and KJ Jefferson, and you didn't know what you had in either guy. And they brought in Felipe Franks to kind of stabilize the quarterback position. Uh, and and on offense, they were like ranked 84th in the country at 391 yards per game. And I think they only scored. Let's see here. Let me scroll right back up. Uh, they only scored. 25 points per game, which ranked 87th out of 128 of the teams that were in power five. And you go back to last year, they were averaging 30.9 points a game. He was in the top 50 as far as offensive production went. Uh, the total offense was 443 yards. You jumped up almost 50, 50 points. And then this year, I mean, you jump up another 50 yards again, and then you jump up uh, almost two points a game uh, in – yeah, three points a game, and they're 36th in the country in scoring offense. And if you take out uh, some of the uh, Texas A&M and, and the Mississippi State performance, you got a pretty daggum good offense. And there, we already went over with what uh, they're doing uh, total offense-wise, too. That's just also another another reason why Kendall Browse, man, he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country, and the hate that he gets is so undeserved. And I think we've said it a couple of times on this podcast, plenty of times on this podcast. But his the hate that he gets, man, he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't at all. Um, I mean, the guy is producing at an elite clip, and this is the best offense we've had year after year after year as far as improvement since the Petrino days. Yeah, and, and the thing is, this is something that I just overlooked, and, and it's crazy. You look at 16 carries, 174 yards, did not have a touchdown. Yeah. Didn't have a rushing touchdown. That, that's crazy to me that KJ had two and Rashad yeah. DeBinion had two. But, I mean, it, it, four rushing touchdowns, and, and that's where you look at, again, down the stretch when you're looking at a, a, a team – like Liberty, they're going to come in, and, and, of course, there's the talk of, well, Arkansas manhandled BYU and Liberty. They're coming in ranked. And I'm telling you what, you put yeah. a number by their name, they're coming into your stadium. I believe it's homecoming. So um, th- they're going to have something to prove because their only loss is the wake. So, I mean – they had a guy that had a – Day-Day Hunter had 213 yards rushing on BYU on 23 carries. Jonathan Bennett had 247 yards passing and two touchdowns. Day-Day had one touchdown rushing. So, this is going to be another balanced offense when we come in. And I'll tell you what, this is the biggest thing that really impressed me that we have yet to not really see from Arkansas, but you don't see much of it. They were doing a three-drop eight – they seen that Ashford was running the ball and having success, and they got out of it. They adjusted. Yeah. And how many times have we said, well, they just don't adjust well. They don't adjust well. Well, they did, and it ended up. I mean, if you would have told me before the game that Tank Bisbee would only have 67 yards rushing and a touchdown, I told you last week I, I expected him to get 150 and two. 
And and that was just my prediction. If even if he got his 150 and two touchdowns, we still could win the ball game. And yeah. he ended up getting 67 yards and a touchdown. And Ashford had 102 on the ground, and then he had 285 through the air with a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, go ahead. And 41 of those 67 yards was on a touchdown play. Yes, that was that. That was the big run. That was the play that yeah. I was talking about the first of the show. That that was the only point in time where I seen that they were the a threat to the game. Other than that, Arkansas yeah. did really well when it come to controlling the game. It just seemed it, – it's weird. Like, I guess it was that 11 a.m. kickoff. It just seemed like it took a little bit for the game to go on. It took a little bit to really get things to where things were clicking. A road game, you know, at Jordan-Hare. And, again, you're coming off a bye, so you're coming in fresh. Some of these guys haven't really stepped on a field, you know, in a couple of weeks. Some of these, you know, just coming off, you know, just the reps in practice. So, as soon as that rust got off and they got clicking, I was very impressed by the teams overall and even on defense. I mean, they did enough. I mean, you, when, when you look at a guy who had 285 yards passing to only give up one touchdown, they were getting a lot more pressure on the quarterback this time. It, it really seemed yeah. that they, they only got three sacks, but when it come down to the pressure, they were really doing a lot to disrupt Ashford when it come to the passing game. Yeah, and Ashford was pretty uh... – he was pretty efficient as far as throwing the ball. He had like he was like twenty twenty four for thirty three passing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two hundred eighty five yards and a touchdown. Uh, but yeah, he was sacked three times. But I mean, I don't really have it uh, broken down for me really uh, what he did in the second half. But uh, I think two of those uh, passes were they were padding stats in the fourth quarter against Arkansas's uh, second team defense. I think I mentioned that earlier. But yeah, he uh, he did a lot of that damage. I think he had like 160 something yards passing going into the fourth quarter, and I think he threw a couple of bombs there late to uh, kind of get the score back uh, to where uh, uh, it was a little bit more respectable. But Arkansas, yeah. man, from from like the first 15 or for the first 45, maybe 48, 50 minutes of that ball game, it was all Arkansas. So, so and, you're talking about the fourth quarter. You're talking about the fourth quarter. He had 135 yards passing, five for 14 yeah. on, on the pass. And he was um, – no, yeah. not five for four. He was five for 14, five rushes for 14 yards. And then he was uh, – they passed for 135 yards in the fourth quarter. Okay. So you take the 235 or 285 and you minus that. So you're looking at 150 again, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – you bring up a great point when it comes to your, you got the, the second team in, really getting them in there. <clears throat> it makes it really look – when you look at you're coming off a two-game winning streak, and you're – like I said, we've said this before. You're not a program that can overlook any team at all, especially right. a ranked team. When you're not ranked – and I'm telling you, I, I, I think Vegas sees Arkansas win because – it's crazy to me that a ranked team's coming in here and they're such a big underdog. I, that that blows my mind. And I'm sure the money will move. I'm sure they put that out there to get the get some money on Liberty because this time of year in November, everybody's upset hungry. What's the upset we can pick and put money on? So they're throwing this, and I'm not saying that it's not going to be that line. I'm not, I think Arkansas could win right. by 17 to 21 points. 
but you know they're throwing these this bait out there to get betters to jump on that Liberty upset so they can win some money. Right. Yeah. And and for those people that are trying to bet, uh, you go onto my uh, Twitter page at Jacob Scott Davis and uh, tweet a few things out for Bet Serious and Arkansas's fourteen and a half point favorites, and they are forty seven and eight at home at WW at DW Reynolds Razorback Stadium against non-conference opponents starting in 1998. Yeah. And well, and what's Sam Pittman's record against the spread? Um, I don't know about the spread, but I do know at home against non-conference opponents, he's five and oh, Morris was four and three, Belama 11 and two, John L Smith, two and one, Petrino eight and oh, and uh, Houston nut was 17 and two. Now, I don't see this going to be a runaway. I, I don't. I mean, they, no. they might win it. I, I'm going to say early, way too early prediction, 14 to 17 points. Um, I, I think they're going to do enough to manhandle this game and, and, and keep it out of arm's reach. But Liberty's going to do everything. It's going to be a Missouri State game all over again. I just think with a different outcome. It's not going to be as close. It's yeah. not going to be as scary. This is a different team. This team's got a different head on their shoulders. They come into that bye. All right, we got out of the bye. Let's go make a run. And I think Sam Pittman even said that. It's time to make a run. You know, it, it, and you look at Ole Miss, the one team that we thought that was not very, you know, when we look at the losses and, and where was the loss going to come from, we were pointing to that Ole Miss game. Now, they're looking little Jekyll and Hyde-ish. You, you, you don't yeah. know what kind of team you're going to – and you don't know what team you're going to get after because, look, LSU's got Alabama. They're going to go into that game. And if they can compete with Alabama, then I'm going to be a little bit worried. when If it's a close loss, I'm going to be a little bit worried when it comes into the Arkansas-LSU game. Yeah. If Alabama and, just imposes their will, you know, look, look at uh, Kansas. Look at Kentucky. These teams that are riding these highs and riding these highs and then they get put on their rear end and they lose a couple of games, they turn into non-existent teams. And I think that might be the case when you when you look at LSU. Yeah. And the thing to think about it, historically Arkansas and or LSU have played the week after LSU plays Alabama. And so you kind of get LSU at kind of a lull uh, where they're kind of beat up and – and they put all their eggs in a basket to beat Alabama. But that was under guys like Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. Now you're so well coached under Brian Kelly that LSU's dangerous. And you're going to have to really have the same kind of game plan to me uh, that you had to kind of attack uh, Robbie Ashford because Jaden Daniels can run. If you can keep him – one-dimensional in some, in some way. Maybe spy Drew Sanders on him, who's a really fast linebacker, uh, to kind of keep Jaden Daniels, you know, from, from really exposing Arkansas's secondary and, and weaknesses there. And really, the last couple of weeks, we haven't seen any issues in open field tackling, uh, especially in the second half of BYU and, and this whole game against Auburn. So, uh, well, I think Arkansas has a good chance, though, to, to take care of business at home. And that's the only thing uh, before I let you uh, – get into yours. Like, I think that's the only good thing right now is that Arkansas has got LSU at home. Well, we can't take anything away from those coaches you named because all of them have won national championships. So, I mean, you, you look, even go back to Nick Saban and, and, you know, what he did there. And then you had Ed O 
he won. Les Miles, he won a national. So, yeah, it's Kelly has not proven. I mean, he's shown what he can do with that talent and and turn things around. But we all know well and good how fast things can turn around. I mean, anybody, depending on the team you're playing, can look good. You know, there for a while, Arkansas was that team that was making Bo Nix look like they were. Every week, it seemed like the quarterback that played Arkansas's defense looked like a Heisman Trophy contender. So, but we are coming up after a break. We will continue the 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 conversation of the football game, and then after that, we will touch a little bit on the exhibition game against Texas. Their upcoming season starts next week, and we'll get into a little bit of that after the break. Do you need those pesky stumps ground before the winter? Your pasture brush hogged or need your driveway bladed? Here at Grindit Ride Outdoor Services, we offer more than just stump grinding. We have recently expanded our business to include tractor work as well. So along with stump grinding, we offer bush hogging, land clearing, grading driveways, placing, and even spreading gravel. We are locally owned and operated, so call Danny today for a free quote at 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Again, that is 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Camelot Exteriors specializes in identifying hail, wind, and other storm damage, as well as residential and commercial roof installations and re-roofing. We use only the highest quality materials from certified suppliers while putting a lifetime labor warranty on all of our roofs. Our mission is to provide our customers with the highest quality roofing project customized to fit each one of their needs and to provide exceptional service through the entire process. Camelot Exteriors is based in Norman, Oklahoma, but we proudly currently serve nine other states as a premier nationwide roofing company. So call us today at 833-799-7663 for your free estimate. Camelot Exteriors, your storm damage restoration experts. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-932-5121. If you want the best service and prices in Northwest Arkansas and Southwest Missouri for all your plumbing and electrical needs, then look no further than Corey Hyman, the plumbing electrical supply guy. Corey's in full steam ahead and providing the best electrical, plumbing, and septic supply service around. So call Corey at 479-301-8220 or email him at chindman, that's H-I-N-D-M-A-N, at andersonp.com. Again, that is 479-301-8220. 
And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast, and we'll continue our talk with the Liberty game coming up. It's going to be a tricky game, but I think the more that you look at it, you respect the opponent, you respect that it's a tricky game, you're not going to be caught up in. And I think the, the Missouri State game is going to give you a big template on how not to overlook an opponent. <laughs> I mean, that's just my opinion on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a rough uh, rough uh, thing to talk about there. Yeah, that was that that game had so many other things going for it. It was a Bobby Petrino return and stuff. But man, when you're a when you're FBS SEC team fighting for relevancy in the West, you got to take Missouri State seriously and go out there and beat those guys with an inch of their life. Now you have in, and I love what a uh, uh, Barrett Solis. <laughs> Uh, I found this on uh, Twitter while we were while we were on break, and it said Barrett Saliat on Twitter: Arkansas and Liberty will play on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see how Arkansas does against an SEC coach since they didn't play against one yesterday. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah, I think, I think Salee's an Auburn alum, but uh, yeah, that's the thing. You know, Arkansas was four and one against Hugh Freeze while he was at Arkansas too. I mean, uh, while he's at Ole Miss, so well, he had other uh, things he, on his yeah, mind. He had, he had other things. On he had his that mind, burner phone you know, all night long. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's. Uh, you've got to think about how uh, big of a game plan that guy's going to have. He's he's looking to potentially jump back into the SEC. A lot of, I mean, we've been talking about it all year long. He's Brian Horson's on a hot seat the last two seasons. You know. Uh, try to get Hugh Freeze. And, you know, in this culture now of college football, I mean, basically what Hugh Freeze did and cheating and, and I mean, outside of the extramarital affair stuff that he did, he might have he might have uh, got into. Uh, you you got to think about the recruiting deals and stuff that he – I mean, he got Robert Kandichi for goodness sakes. I mean, he was like the number one overall player, and people started turning their eyes like, oh, this Freeze guy, he's a player. Well, it, it, it's funny you say that. Hughes Freeze, this is from ESPN two days ago. Um, he just got an eight-year contract to 2030. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't out, think though? we're going to have any uh, issues of him coming to um, SEC anytime soon because here's another thing what we're looking at is I don't think he's going to come to SEC because he sees what's going to happen with college football, and he might turn, you know, stay at Liberty to, to ride off into the sunset. But you, you never know with these guys. And, and, and when you've been at the highest of the highs when it comes to coaching and you've coached in the SEC, sometimes it's hard to really uh, swallow that pill of having to settle for a place like Liberty. And there's nothing wrong with you. Like I said, you're, you're ranked. You know, only loss you have is 37-36 to – Wake Forest. Wake Forest, and that was on the road. But then again, when you look at other than the BYU win, I mean, you got Gardner Webb, which is a one point win over Gardner Webb. Then you played Old Dominion, UMass, Akron, UAB, and then you had Southern Miss, which was your first game of the season, twenty nine twenty seven thriller in four overtimes. So. If you want my honest opinion, I mean, it's not all that great when you look at their schedule. It, it, yeah, 7-1 is great, but 
And it doesn't matter because you know what? Arkansas wins this game. They're going to take a ranked win. A ranked win's a ranked win. You know what? If they're going to put them in the rankings at, at 23 or whatever, hey, cool. That, that does nothing but help Arkansas out when it comes to they run the table and they get to a good bowl game. Hey, these guys got ranked wins over Liberty and BYU and Cincinnati. So, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't – Arkansas schedule, when, when you look at it, doesn't look as confident as it did begin with. So, like, um, <clears throat> I can't remember who was saying it, but, you know, we keep on saying Arkansas has got the toughest schedule – three years in a row, but when you look at it now on the back end, it, it's really not that tough. You know, Cincinnati's not the team we thought they were. You know, Liberty might not be the team we looked at, you know. I mean, so – but we're, we're, we're coming into the game you cannot take lightly because, again, that three-game winning streak is going to sound really good coming into the LSU game that you're really going to have to play up for. You're really going to have to give it your all to keep it – keep things rolling. Right. And another thing to think about is Arkansas's, you know, they're looking to get a bowl eligible with a win yep. against Liberty. And that's the big thing with Sam Pittman is when he sets goals, his team usually responds. I mean, they responded uh, in 2020 when nobody thought Arkansas was going to win a single conference game in a 10 game conference schedule. And they went out there and won three, had one uh, taken away from him and, was a two point conversion away from being five and five the first year, mm-hmm. and then and then twenty twenty one, you know, your backs against the wall after a three game losing streak to Auburn, Georgia, and Ole Miss, and he responds. He he brings Larry the bowling ball in and brings excitement back into this program, and and that's the that's the thing though, you know, Arkansas has got SEC size, SEC speed, and and they had the want to. I think yeah. Sam Pittman's one of the better motivators. Uh, motivating head coaches in all of college football too because his players respond to him uh, when their backs are against the wall. And I, I don't have a doubt in my mind that Arkansas goes out and takes care of business on Saturday looking forward to LSU in the battle of the boot. Well, and he don't BS you. I mean, he tell you straight no. up. I mean, that's the, I, that's the thing. I think he's a nonchalant motivator. You know, he's not right. one of these where he has to yell and scream and, I mean, other than turn the damn jukebox on and – that stuff, you know, but he don't have to every week. I think it's at the point, Jacob, where, you know, antics and, and, and sayings and all these things can only get you so far when it comes to where you're building your program. I think they're at the point now where, look, man, we need to believe in each other. You need to believe in me. Right. I need to believe in you. If we're going to win this thing, okay, enough with the antics, enough with the sayings. We need to go out there and play ball because – you know, those sayings and those antics and those props don't mean anything if you're losing. You know, yeah. and I think it's time. you got the veteran squad that you have. And if you really want to go on a run, I think it's time for them to band together like brothers, put on a show, go on a three- to four-game winning streak, and close this season out with, with a four- or five-game winning streak. Yeah. And, and I've told a lot of people this, too. I mean, I even hyped it up as a 10-11 win team, and they can still get to that 10-win threshold if they continue to take care of business. And I was a believer in the hype. I thought, you know, you had a starting uh, quarterback coming back. You had a Rocket Sanders who I thought could really bust under the scene uh, in college football, and I thought the defense was going to be able to be – I mean, you had the defensive line, you had linebackers covered, you had defensive backs. I thought 
was going to be better. And then they got injured. And and the thing is, like, Arkansas had to fight adversity. And that's where I'm trying to get to this uh, point here is that they've had to fight every single week. They've had to fight injuries. They've had to even fight back from bad decision-making, uh, penalties, uh, ill-time penalties. Like, you think about Arkansas, I mean, especially on the injury side of things, they're not ready to compete at that next level with the Alabamas and the Georgias. They need to right now be focused on competing with the LSUs, the Ole Misses, the Mississippi States, the teams that are in the same tier as you right now. And, right, I mean, and, and like that three-game losing streak earlier in the season, they did not have the depth at that point. Uh, to to really compete, and it goes back to I mean the twenty 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 the twenty twenty year was lost because of COVID, uh, and then the twenty twenty one recruiting class you really were set behind there because of because you couldn't really evaluate anybody, and now you're finally getting to where you're you are outperforming, kind of like what we said about Musselman last week. He's uh, overachieved with with what the talent that he's had uh, on his rosters. Pittman's overachieved with a bunch of walk-ons, a bunch of four-stars, and he's blending these guys together to really prove, like, hey, all we need is you. And I think you can come in and start for us and play for us, and we can take that next leap. And I think that's a good recruiting pitch is saying, you see what we've done developing these guys like Grant Morgan and and Hudson Clark and and some of the offensive linemen and, and so many of these players that were hanging around during the Chad Morris era. I think that's a big thing too. I don't know where I was going with it, but I, you know, I think right now going into the, you want to compete for championships. Now it's the time if you're wanting to close out and say, Hey, we finished nine at three. We're a game better, a game ahead of where we were last year. Go out and finish and then go out there and recruit your butt off again and get better for next season. Yeah. So I really think that that's a big key is the way you finish. You can, you can tell your recruits saying, Hey, you see, you see what we're doing at Arkansas will be even better with you uh, on uh, wearing the Razorback red. Yeah, and I've always – I've modeled, you know, what D'Antonio did at Michigan State with molding the three stars in the, in the stars, right. you know, in, in how they recruited. And, you know, somebody brought a good point. You know, these elite schools don't have to recruit anyone. They can pick and choose whoever they no. want. But you got to have depth. And that's the one thing that Arkansas is lacking. And I know it's hard, but – there, there's sometimes, as as fans and as media, as content creators, anybody that's connected with the program, there's just some point in time where we got to realize that we're not going to get the classes year in and year out that Alabama gets, that Georgia gets, that all these people get. We're, we're just not, unless right. they just start funneling money to everybody. We're not going to do it because Alabama's already pretty much set. All right, go ahead and start throwing money at these players. If that's the way you want us to do it, we don't want to do it that way. But if that's how we're going to play, that's what we're going to do. And I, it, and this is not to poke fun at the university at all, but it's almost like they put out a tweet or put out a statement saying, collectively, we've given out over a million dollars in NIO money. That's laughable because there's people getting paid a million dollars to play right. the game. And I don't know if these are. This is just what's coming through the the flagship program or what. But it's still yet. It's like you you put that out there, and it it's like come on. Like we've got to get to the point. If you want, and this is what we said beginning of the year with KJ and being everybody's talking about top three quarterback. 
If you want to be a top three quarterback, you have to be treated like a top three quarterback. If you want to be a top three program in the SEC, you got to start acting like a top three program in the SEC. Right. You need to start recruiting. You need to start winning. You can't lose games like they did against Texas A&M if you want to be considered a top three program in the SEC. And, and, and it's almost like we're not, you know, throwing in the towel, but it's almost like, okay, we need to start getting better players. We need to start getting the depth because all, it, all we've seen now is one player gets hurt or two players get – so basically you had two players, Catalan, Slusher, get hurt, all right? You had two leave in the transfer portal. Any other team, you could have been okay. That totally decimated your defense. If you want to grow up and you want to get bigger and bigger in the SEC, you've got to be able to take those losses and plug and play and still compete because that's what everybody else is doing. That's what Georgia's is doing. That's, look at Tennessee, what they're doing with Hooker. I mean, they got guys coming in in the transfer portal, and they're going to be All-Americans. That's what we need on the offensive side of the ball. We need people to come in, and they can be producing, they can be considered All-Americans like Burks was. But you're going to need yeah. you're going to need more of it. You're going to need an offensive line that can block. You're going to need a defensive line that can pass rush. And that's why I'm saying, guys, give it time, because it's that it takes time to get to where your class is where you can play a freshman and it's not basketball where a freshman, you got five freshmen on the floor. It's going to take time to get those freshmen from a high school level to an SEC level defensive line or linebacker or whatever. So it takes yeah. time, but that's where if you're going to start winning, you have to start winning in the recruiting battles. You started flipping these players and you cannot live and die on the transfer portal. You, you can't do it because you it's not a sustainable market. No. You've, you've got to recruit your high school guys and then it, get those guys ready. But while those guys are in waiting, get you plugging you in some transfers. Get you some guys like Drew Sanders, Dwight McLaughlin. Well, yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who truly come in and, and done well, started well, and, and playing high-level football. Can you imagine? I don't know if Drew Sanders is going to come back to Arkansas next year, but I think McLaughlin can come back. I think you've got pieces and the experience to come back. And even though we came at him with pitchforks, you know, another year of experience in the Barry Odom and stuff and, and the way that these guys have played in the second half of this season outside of the three, the miserable three-game stretch, Arkansas seems to be turning it around. And, yeah, you get to think about the quality of opponent on uh, defensively who you played. But, you know, the second half of the BYU game and, and the whole game against uh, uh, Auburn, I mean, Arkansas looked pretty steady and looked like they're ready to turn the page. Uh, being about ninety eight percent healthy. Well, and, and you you look at the transfer portal, and you it's it, it, and I'm not saying it's easy. It's easier. No, it's not. It's easier on the defensive side of the ball to bring a guy in, plug him into the linebacker or cover zone. You're going to cover this zone. You're going to go with this player. You you look at Landers, and this is why I'm saying you cannot live and die off of the transfer portal. You know, we were wondering, when's he going to step it up? When are we going to have this receiver step it up, step it up? We've even seen it with Hazelwood, where he's had lapses, where he's not produced. you got these guys that are coming in fresh, trying to connect with a quarterback who's seasoned. So you've got a guy like KJ. He is expecting you to know exactly where you need to be, where you need to go, and where you're going to be on this read. Yeah. If you're not clicking, it's not happening. Now we're looking at Landers. It's, it's, it's November almost November, so end of October, and he's just now clicking. In the game of college football, 
it, that's nice to have if you've got another guy or two behind him. But that's yeah. exactly the point I'm making when you can't live and die off the transfer portal on the offensive side of the ball is because it takes a while to click and get into that yeah. scheme. Now we're going from Kendall Bryles, he, he, he don't know how to play calls, he, he don't know how to do this, he do that. Now they're the 13th best offense when it comes to average. I wouldn't say – I guess in a way you could say they're the 13th best offense in the country because when you're going on average total yards. But at, however you want to play it. If you don't want to say they're the 13th best – Offense in the country, okay, that's cool. They still have the 13th top-rated offense when it comes to average yards per game. Five weeks ago, we weren't saying that, but it takes yes. clicking. It takes cohesiveness and leadership. You know, KJ's a good leader, but what happened when he was out? Who's your leader that's automatically going to step up? Catalan goes out. Who's automatically going to step up and be that guy? That's what you right. need when you're going to be an elite SEC team your guy goes down, all right, I'm stepping up automatically. Yeah, and Arkansas doesn't have that yet. But, and that's okay. You can't – and that's the thing. Like, that's no knock on this team because, look – No, not at all. Because it, 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 you can't train somebody to be that leader. That's just no. – that is built in. That is, that is in their DNA, and that is no knock on the player at the University of Arkansas. When I say they don't have that, like, that leader on the defensive side of the ball – that, that's not knocking anybody because it, that you can't teach that. You can't train that. You can't put somebody in practice and say, okay, you're going to be the captain. Yeah, you could put that C on their jersey. But when it comes to, hey, you're here, you're here. Hey, man, you missed that tackle, man. Get your head up. We're going to get it in the next play. Yeah. That's what they need. They need dogs, and, and they need leaders. And But that's what's going to take where it comes to – you, it's hard, again, when I bring up the transfer portal, it's hard to get a guy that's going to be that leader on a defense when he's a one-year player because he can try, but yet when you don't know the defense, you don't know the schemes, and you don't know – it's hard to produce and be a leader at the same time when, when you yeah. have not been in the program for more than a year. Yeah. Let's get real quick and talk about that exhibition game against Texas. I know we're running out low on time. Yeah. So uh, Arkansas lost ninety to sixty to uh, uh, Texas in an exhibition game. I know you have your opinions on it. I know a lot of people have their opinions <clears> on <throat> it. And I don't think the sky's falling yet. <laughs> no, I, I, I think they needed this uh, just to uh, then. And Musselman alluded to that during his press conference. And I'm gonna let you take the floor. Well, and and here's the deal. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because I joked about it. I want to take ownership on it. I joked about like, hey. You know, Texas is is taking the broadcast off. They're scared to play Arkansas. You know, we try. I made a thing about right before the game. I was trying to get on the stats broadcast. They had it locked. Are the, are they trying? And then for Texas to come out and beat Arkansas, so I have to take ownership about here and making a joke about it, thinking that Arkansas is just going to run away with it. That Texas was scared to play Arkansas. And there was a lot of people that shared that same thing, but still yet it was my, what I said. So I got to I got to own that, hey, look, I was completely wrong. I thought that Arkansas was going to come out with their starting five. They were going to play it like a serious game, and they were going to put it on them. But they didn't. They played everybody just like they did in the first exhibition game. You know, Pinion's yeah. – I'll tell you what, another one that, that's really surprised me is Pinion. He is making the most out of his minutes in the first two – and I know it might be exhibition and – he might not get much playing time during the season, but you know what? 
he is making the most out of the opportunity he's getting. But the, the point I want to make is it's almost like when you have a new team and you, you play somebody like Texas, I think it was not like a necessarily a setup, but it was almost like he wanted them to take them down there, play a seasoned team, get their butts whooped, humble them a little bit and be like, look, guys, this is what you got to expect every Wednesday and Saturday in the SEC. Because now you've got you you you've got all these freshmen, all this hype. You've got what eleven new faces, yep. or ten new faces, eleven new faces on your team. So you've got this target on your back of being this highly touted team. You go down to Texas, they're opening a new center, they're doing a charity event, and they beat you by thirty. So you come back to Fayetteville, tail between your legs, you got humbled. But guess what? The best thing about it is it has no bearing on your record. When, when, when that committee meets and you get that seating, that Texas game has nothing to do with where you're going to be seated. It has nothing to do with where you're going to go. So you take the loss, you take the butt whooping, you come back to Fayetteville, and you get ready for the real season that comes up next week. Yep. And you got plenty of time to really uh, get ready for this season. Uh, or, or really get ready for Maui, honestly, because you got that. You got a three game uh, home stand. You've got North Dakota State, and you've got uh, South Dakota State, and you've got Fordham. Yep. So you've got three games to really get your uh, get oil on them uh, on your gears and really get things going because you they're not going to stay down long. And Nick Smith is too good of a player to really say. That my effort against Texas on Saturday was not who I am. Well, I, yeah, I, I really think a lot of that had to do with playing time. I don't. Day. I don't think they played him yeah. a lot of minutes. So I, I don't. No. I'm no. not taking anything. I look the, the list of players he played was that long. I think he had a plan yeah. of going down there and playing all his players. It's going to be a totally different deal. But no, I mean you can't take anything away from that Texas game. I mean, other than hey, look, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah. But the good thing about it is you can go to Maui and go 0-2 or 0-3. It doesn't mean nothing because Musselman has a tendency of January, February, clicking it, and they go on a oh, run. Yeah. And now they're going from a 7-seed, 8-seed on that bubble 8-9 game. Now they're a 3-4-seed. So, no. I, I mean, and we can even jump into the – when it comes into conference play on where they're at, they, they're probably going to lose some games that they're supposed to win. But I'm telling you – this team's going to be very good. They're going to surprise yeah. some teams because of the fact that, and I think they're going to surprise some of our own fans, just how good they are. Now, when you have that 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 showcase, that showtime offense, I want to see defense because if they start just letting people run with them, it, it, it's not going to be good when it comes to SEC play. No, not at all. Because, I mean, you you saw how it happened last year. You know, Arkansas was – Every time they would try to get back in the game against Oklahoma last year, and they tied the game, and okay, Arkansas is going to run with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to run with Arkansas, and Arkansas was kind of chipping at it, chipping at it, chipping at it, and then and, and Oklahoma, you got you got tired, and that's the that's the thing though too. You can't just you know run the fast break offense the whole game. You've got to run sets. You've You've got to play some defense on, on and, and slow down your opponents too. And I still think, like I said a couple of weeks ago, like I think Arkansas is still going to win a lot of games, seventy to fifty-five. 
just because of their defense. I, I don't – and you got to think about it. You said it too. Like, Texas is a veteran team. It seems like Timmy Allen and DeSue and – and some of those guys that are on the Texas roster have been there for 10 years. I mean, they're a very veteran team, and I think, you you know, I think Musselman might have actually intended on this happening so he could get the attention of his team because even in his press conference, he said that uh, his team had had a bad week of practice and they were absolutely not ready for this game. And, yeah, we've seen Arkansas be, you know, get slapped in the head. Uh, quite a few times where it's 20 or 30 point losses and things just turn around, you know, it's better to get it out of the way early than get it, get it, you know, in, in late February, early March. And then when it don't count, like you said, other other than the European tour, this is the first like legit game. We don't know. They could have been playing against 15 year olds. We don't, we don't know the the type of players they had over there in Spain and, 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 Italy, wherever they played at. But this is the first game, true game, like this type of competition they've ever played together. You know, yeah. so I take nothing away from it. I mean, and this is the thing. Fans are going to expect it, and they're going to see them fall. And, hey, that that's why they're fans. They have every right to be that way. Yeah. You know, as long as we're not calling for Musselman's job after an exhibition loss, we're okay. But – you know, this team's going to be fine. They're going to meet our expectations. And uh, I think it's next Monday, correct? They start. They play against yeah. uh, North Dakota State. Yeah. So, um, hopefully there won't be any streaming issues where they try to cut you off and do all that stuff. But, Jacob, you got yeah, anything else? SEC Network. Yeah, the game will be on SEC Network okay. Plus Monday night at 7 p.m. All right. Well, hey, that will do it for another Sunday edition of the Hog Talk Podcast. Tomorrow night, we will have the weekly women's sports report. We'll talk some women's basketball, soccer, playing in the SEC soccer tournament, volleyball, playing Florida. And then we will have, instead of Wednesday night, due to a basketball game that I'll be at the women's exhibition game against uh, UFAS, we are going to do our uh, weekly preview show on Thursday where we'll have the guy from Sea of Red covering Liberty. So that's going to be around 6, 6.30-ish coming up on Thursday. So that will do it for the Hog Talk podcast. We will catch you tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.